Welcome to devmode.fm, a podcast dedicated to the tools, techniques, and technologies used in modern web development. Mm-hmm. I'm Andrew Welch from NY Studio 107. I'm Patrick Harrington from Miley Geeky in Boston. And I'm Matt Stein from Working Concept in Austin. And today we'll be talking to Adam Bradley and Manu Martinez Almeida from that was St- a good one. Uh, well, Yeah, yeah, <laughs> thank you. Good one. <laughs> Both from Ionic. So Adam is the director of open source development at Ionic, and Manu is the software engineer, core contributor, and chief approver. So, gentlemen, welcome. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having us. This is fun. Yeah, no worries. And we wanted to have you on because we wanted to talk about web components and where this thing called stencil fits into the mix and that. So if you two were hiking up the Incan Trail, trying to get up to the Machu Picchu, you know, you've had your mate coca and you're all ready to go to, to climb up there. If you're hiking up that Incan Trail and one of the guides turns to you and says, hey, you know, what are these web components anyway? How would you answer them? What are the web components anyways? Uh, I'd probably pretty dismiss it and just be like, ah, oh, it's just a way to build web pages. Yeah, Is that a I, good answer? Man? I, I have this question. My mother asked me questions like that, what I do. And I just try to simplify it to my... <laughs> So I don't actually explain what I do. Like I think no one understands what I do. It just the people are familiar with web pages. They see squares on their on their computer, and like it's it's part of that stuff, part of the squares that you see on your web page. Explain with them. So it'd be a quiet ascent. Someone else, yes. Someone else who is hiking up the the trail with you up to Machu Picchu says, "I'm a web developer. I've heard of web components. Tell me what they are." What would you say to them? Geez, tell me what they are. It's a way to scale your components across many different web pages easily. No, I will ask if he's a, a React developer first. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a good, good point. <laughs> so that's what I wanted to get to. That's what I wanted to get to. So I'm familiar with what a React component is, right? I'm familiar with what a view single file component is. I'm familiar with what Svelte components are. Aren't they web components? What's the difference? Like, I don't... So, someone clear this up for me. Um, what are they? So... Um, I, I see it's a different way in the sense that it's not a new uh, component model. Instead, it's a way of extending the component model that we have been using for the last uh, 20 years. Uh, it's just a way to create your own HTML components. So the difference means that any framework or any code that you know ever any ever uh, wrote uh, using JavaScript, it actually uses the, the web components APIs already. It uses the document mm. create element. So when you use a web component, you are using a technology that it's uh, it's even back compatible with everything else. So I guess that's the main difference. So even if I didn't know it, I've been using this, probably been using this API to one extent or another? I think so, yeah, because um, you know, when you use the React API or the Angular APIs, you have to use the custom APIs for create a component. Right? You use uh, React create element and then Angular you use something else. But the way to instantiate a web component is not anything new. It's just the document dot create element. And that's the mm magic about mm-hmm. it. Yep. Yeah, and to be clear, like we're actually, you know, I'm actually a big fan of, of frameworks, you know, like we, we use Angular quite a bit. Um, we're now using quite a bit of React and Vue, actually. So mm-hmm. I'm a fan of all of them, and I think that they're great, that they're innovating a lot, and it's a great way to build like a an enclosed application that works on its own. You know, mm-hmm. and I, I think of it as kind of a shell. It's everything within that shell works great. It's highly tested. The components communicate well with each other. And so if that's your use case, I think frameworks are absolutely a, a great choice for that. Where 
Vanessa comes in is that we actually want to work on all of them. And we have this use case for Ionic. Ionic is a UI mobile library that we want to work in Angular and React and Vue and anything else. And so that's why Stencil was initially created was that we want to solve that problem. So not everyone has the same issue or use case that, that we do, but that's kind of the, the intent or the their driving reason of why we created Stencil. So Stencil is a tool that can be used to create generic web components, but those can also be used by these other frameworks? Is that what you're saying? Yep, absolutely. I think the the fun part about Stencil is that we really, you know, it, it's like to be called a framework, which it's not whatsoever. It's really the tooling around the common component model. So the web components, custom elements, they're low level on purpose. You know, you can read about them in the MDM docs. However, there's no real a tooling around them, right? There's there's no uh, hot module reloading. There's no way to do correctly do imports, things like that. So a lot of this stuff isn't provided that you're used to as a framework developer. However, because it's a low level API, which is a great thing, that means that actually all frameworks are using the same component model. And so we kind of wanted to piggyback off that. It's like, we don't want to provide a framework, but we want to provide the tooling that you're familiar with. And to really get to the point of creating Ionic components that are completely dumb to any framework and can be used just no different than how a div could be used. Uh, yeah, I was going to say that it's not also about uh, the authoring of the components, but also the developer experience when you when you know people consume these components. And the key thing is that... Uh, when you have a React library components, everything works like a React developer will expect. You import a components in this way and you have the documentation and all this random tooling like uh, pre-rendering, everything works, right? And uh, when you use web components, this kind of thing doesn't really work. And right. Stencil tries to solve these problems as well. Yeah, uh, that's, that's something I, I didn't understand, Manu. So like I had been, I'd been looking at this and I've been trying to figure out like what the hell is Stencil actually doing? Because I looked at web components and I'm just like, oh, well, that's kind of neat, but I don't know when I would use this. Like, I'm, I don't know when I would use a regular web component mm -hmm. over building it in Vue or React. Like, w when would I do that? And then you're saying that if I just, we'll get back to that question, right? So we'll, we'll figure out later on, like, why we might want to make our own native web components. But if I decide that I want to make native web components, you're saying that Stencil is kind of filling in the gaps and making it a better experience for me that I want to do that? Yeah, exactly. And for the people that is going to use uh, those components. Ah, because, right. you know, when we decide to create Ionic Angular 4, the, the, the latest version of Ionic, we know that, okay, the first thing we know is that the ecosystem is is very different today and there are many frameworks. So that was important important for us to say, uh, we want to provide this uh, common collection of components and we want everyone to be able to use them, right? That's one of the things. But the second thing is that we want those developers using those frameworks to feel like home. Uh, we want them to feel like they are still using a Angular collection of components or a React collection of components. Yeah, because when it really comes down to it, as a React developer, you're accustomed to importing the component you want. It's going to have, you know, it's going to be Pascal case. You're going to add into your JSX. That's just how a React developer operates, and that's what they know. So we don't want to change anything there. And the same thing for an Angular developer. They use ng module. They're able to use HTML templates, things like that. And so we want to keep everything identical to what they're familiar with. But at the same time, you know, we're a small team. We put a lot of time into our components, we shouldn't have to rewrite them every single time for every single framework. In reality, they're still just divs with CSS and the same yeah, right. So yeah. that's why we were able to start. The core of our components really are just seen in ES6 class with some CSS. 
they can stay pretty dumb. I mean, they, they don't have to be tied to a framework at all. But then from there, because they're so low level, we're able to, you know, scale those to work inside of React, Vue, Angular, and anything else. And and even a little bit more history behind this is that in 2013, 2014, it's when we came up with Ionic 1. And that was built on AngularJS, which was the first version. And that was great. It was what, a what is success. that? What is that? Explain explain to people what that is. I think a lot of people have no idea what that is. Ionic or AngularJS? Ionic, Ionic 1. Ionic 1. So that was our first version of our UI library to build uh, mobile applications using HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. And then you were able to um, use something like Cordova, which is a way to deploy your app inside of the Play Store or inside of the App Store. So basically, you're using your web skills to build native applications to deploy into the native stores that users can download. And that was, it worked really well. It, it was great. You know, we put a lot of time and effort into our components. The problem was 2000, end of 2014, 2015, is that Angular then decided to rewrite everything from scratch. <laughs> they gave it the same framework name, but it's entirely different framework. Right, um, right. And so what that meant to us is that we needed to rewrite everything from scratch, all of our components, all that hard work, all the documentation, everything needed to be redone just to create basically the same components. So um, you were real happy about this, right? Yeah, we were thrilled. It was a lot of fun. Take <laughs> this credit, you know, they've, they've been great for us. You know, we, we actually have a really good relationship with them. We work with them. When, especially when we were building Ionic, we worked with them on a weekly basis. So, so you know, kudos to the Anger team for helping us out in a lot of it. But it was a lot of work. And so we had, came up with Ionic 2. Ionic 2 was the one built on Angular 2. And then Ionic 3 was the same thing, had some more improvements off of Angular 2. But then, you know, we saw more of like Angular IVs coming out. And throughout this entire process, we had so many people ask us, what about React? What about Vue? And it's like, well, mm-hmm. we'd love to do that. You know, I was like, yeah, yeah, we, we can. And you, know, you look into it and you're like, wow, this is, you know, we already can't maintain one framework, let alone now <laughs> we have to have three. Right, right. And, and so that's when, and I think almost that exact same time is when Safari had announced, I think 2017, the summer that they had come out with web or custom elements in Shadow DOM. And we traditionally have always worked on just Safari and Chrome because, you know, we're for iOS and Android. So when we saw that custom elements version one was, you know, a full spec, there was no polyfills required and everything could run native. That's when we kind of questioned everything. It was just like, wait a second, we could actually build our components to be just stupid ES6 classes with JavaScript, not tied to anything. And then we can scale those to each of the different frameworks. So it sounds like Stencil is something that was built out of your own internal need in that you you were in a unique position as a developer developing this UI library that you wanted to be able to have it work with a whole bunch of different frameworks. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. yeah. So you wanted to be able to make agnostic components. But I think that that kind of makes sense in a lot of situations because I may be using React now on this particular project, but it'd be real nice if the components that I designed, if I ended up switching frameworks somewhere down the road, could kind of come along with me. Is that yes. something that Stencil can help out with? Yes. I mean, that's exactly the problematic you, you explained. That's exactly, uh, it's actually one good point for when you when you implement a design system, right? You, you implement a design system because you want something that, that lasts in time. You don't want to be creating this design system every time that you change framework or you have a new, maybe, maybe let's say you have a a big company and you know it scales to many different teams and a new team wants to use uh, Vue right mm-hmm. so at that point your design system it stops being useful right so that's exactly what you said that's exactly a good use case for Stencil absolutely yeah, you can't you can't really go back to your designers and be like nah it's going to be a lot of work like we can't do it you know yeah and, and really, I mean, we, we get a lot of feedback from larger companies. And the number one thing is that you hear about some team in the in the organization does create a design system, but they 
built it in React or they built it in Vue or a certain version of Angular and they build it and it works great and they love it. But then they have a problem of other teams in the organization adopting it where it's like, well, we're not going to use Angular, we're using React or we're not using that version of React or, or something like that. And so that's a common use case of just like there are design systems out there, but the other teams in your organizations are not able to adapt them easily. So I can totally get how this would be really useful for, you know, large companies that are doing things, quote unquote, at scale, which is... <laughs> Like the new marketing tagline that every software product is apparently doing things at scale, right? But how, how would a smaller developer, let's say that I, I primarily do stuff with Vue, is there a way that, that Stencil could still potentially benefit me? Yeah, I think definitely it's for much larger organization with lots right. and lots of different developers, different teams. Hmm. But that said, Stencil on its own is able to work as its own app, work as its own um, web components. If you're only building Vue, if you're a, a single developer, and you're not sharing your code with anyone, it probably makes sense to just stick with Vue mm -hmm. and, and not involve Stencil. But if you're building components that you want to share with many people in many different frameworks, or you don't know how it's going to be used, or it's not, or you don't know if it's going to be used in a framework at all, that's kind of where Stencil would shine. Or if you are starting an app from scratch. I mm -hmm. have, for example, in Ionic, we have the our Stencil side, the Ionic Docs. Many internal projects are pure Stencil projects. They are not even uh, components to be served, but they are actually the, the product itself. So a Stencil can also do that. You know, it's not that it's only useful for design systems. And actually, I first heard of Stencil when we had Rich Harris on here and he mentioned something about Stencil. And I was just like, my God, like another framework that I haven't <laughs> heard of. This is crazy. Like, and then yeah. and then I, I researched it and I checked it out. I'm like, oh, this really is something I should have heard of because a lot of people are, are apparently using this. And, you know, they mentioned it. And then we've we've got Matt here who he's kind of like, you know, he sees the shiny object and he's like, ooh, shiny object. Right. <laughs> so I think Matt went down the rabbit hole of starting to build stuff in Stencil, right, Matt? Yeah. So that was, so I'm on the slow end of the learning scale. I'm just now learning that that components are a thing. And I was built to try and learn by comparison. I decided I was going to take all the frameworks I've heard of and then just build like the same simple things in each of those frameworks just to see how they, they responded or, or what it was like to work with them. And what I learned, I was shocked. And I'm commonly shocked to learn things that people already knew about for a long time. <laughs> but I learned that there's a difference between web components and JavaScript components, and that the browser actually knows what to do with these custom elements. And my impression of Stencil, and you correct me if I'm just hopelessly wrong, is that if I'm building something from scratch, it's lovely to design and build with components. Web components are can be really lightweight. And if I don't need the overhead of a framework, Stencil kind of has my back in working with something that's nearly native to the browser and much more pleasant to work with. Yeah. Is that accurate? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I think a uh... A big difference in like, I definitely like to say over and over again, is like, we're not a framework. We're not trying to be a framework. We're not trying to compete with React. But another reason we can say that we're not a framework is like, we actually are not providing much JavaScript whatsoever. We're letting the browser and all the native APIs take care of it. Something like Stencil would be really difficult to pull off 10, even five years ago. But today with where browsers are at and all the APIs and all the things that have been learned from other frameworks that are now native to the browser, we're able to provide tiny, tiny components and really just letting our tooling make it easy to developer experience, but the framework itself doesn't exist. Which which is super cool and still blows my mind. And for the other slow learners out there, th what this means is like you, you already know HTML, you can have a paragraph tag, P tag, div tag, whatever. You can make your own cheese tag if you want to. Right. And the browser will know to some degree what to do with that. And it sounds Actually, like Stencil exists to make to smooth out the gaps in the developer experience and all the right. things that would otherwise be catches working that way. Technically, Matt, I think you can't make your cheese tag. 
Oh, uh, sorry, cheese maker or or you know. <laughs> right. So in order <laughs> two for it to be a web component, it has to have a dash in it, right? That's right? So that's the my understanding, and I'm I'm not an expert on this at all, but my understanding is that your components have to have a dash in them in order for it to work. And then basically all you do is you just do like, you know, cheese dash greater, right? And then you've got a tiny little bit of JavaScript that registers your cheese dot greater behavior and whatever it's going to do when you use this component. And that's it, right? Is that right? Yeah. Perfect analogy. And being that it was developed in Wisconsin, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> I, I hear a really good, a really interesting use case. I think it's it was someone that uh, was just trying to explain HTML, CSS, and JavaScript to just students that didn't know anything about, about the web. And the cool thing is that they could just create an in, uh, empty index HTML and not have to install package.json or npm or node or anything. And then just include the script tag to include Ionic. And and use that. Uh, and I think... And, and whoa, you, whoa, whoa, hold on. Manu, Manu, Manu. Hold, yeah. hold on, hold on. Are you telling me that you, in 2019, you can have a web page without a two megabyte JavaScript bundle and it will work? Crazy, crazy, right? I know. Wow. It's mind-blowing, isn't <laughs> it? it? it but it's, you know, it's stupid, but it's um, it's not trivial, right? If, if, if you try to build any complex application right now without all that tooling, it's actually complicated, right? And uh, right, right. just with web components, you can just drop this web component and it might, uh, you know, bring a lot of functionality to your app without doing anything. And that's uh, really interesting. Yeah, and I think you guys definitely hit the nail on the head. Like the big unsung hero, in my opinion, is uh, custom elements. But the fact that JavaScript runs when it hits the DOM, when connected callback is executable code, it runs when something happens. That's the big reason why Stencil is possible, is a connected callback. Without that, we have to build a whole framework to know when something is connected. We have to have our own shell, be able to communicate. But now that the browser is able to tell us like, oh, hey, this thing is existed or this attribute changed, you know, it's able to tell us everything now. And so we don't need to provide a framework. Yeah, you can just tap into it. You get essentially an event or whatever when something is registered and you can do your thing. Is that how it works kind of? Yep. Exactly. And and we also are very, very strict to ensure that we don't invent a new way to do communication or be able to pass data or anything that it's purely set attribute, you know, uh, getters and setters on, on objects, custom event for emitting events. But that's it. I mean, there's really... We don't want to have a you know synthetic event system or anything like that. I'm still a little fuzzy on a couple of things, but I want to give Patrick a chance to jump in here. If, if Patrick, are you fuzzy on anything? I don't know if I'm fuzzy. I, I was a little bit apprehensive coming in. I, I remember when web components, the first time I was aware of them was maybe four years ago when Google had their Polymer project and they were mm. kind of trying to bring web components, but there's a lot of overhead and it seemed like all the demos, everything ended up looking like you know a Google Android app or something. So I don't know. To me, like I was like, oh, web components, those things came, they went, no one cares that we're all on to react and view and all that. Yeah, it kind of feels like they died a few years ago, or at least that's, <laughs> I know that's wrong, but the, I think that's a perception a lot of people have, right? Yeah. And I didn't even realize that, you know, support with browsers had still been building for them. Yeah. I don't know. I think a lot, a lot that just clicked with me while we've been speaking is the idea that, you know, yeah, it can be amazing to build components in React, to build them in Vue, but they're very much tied to those frameworks. You know, with this, you can build something that is standards based that isn't relying on an outside library just to render in the DOM that uses good old HTML, CSS, JavaScript without any other backing. And it can then move between those. I'm really interested just looking at the documentation of how right now we're doing a lot around view single file components and work that we're doing. And the idea that we could build those and not have them be like forever tied to view is pretty compelling. Yeah. Well, let me let me ask a couple of questions that I'm fuzzy about then, if you gentlemen don't mind. So the first is why? 
(laughs) Why, oh, why did you do this? Why, why, why? No, but so if I'm sitting down and I want to start working on something for the web, why would I choose native components, native web components over using a framework like React or Vue? Like what would what would be in my decision making tree? Because I mean, my understanding is that one a recent high profile web page from Apple is using native web components and was built with stencils. Is that right? Oh, right. Yeah, I forgot all about that. Yeah, Apple is a great use case. You know, they they are a large organization. They have many teams, but really the the core of a lot of stuff they build is in uh, Sprout Core and Ember JS. And there's their hands are kind of tied that they're not really able to just overnight change that around. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, they've got many different you know web properties. In their case, they had Apple TV homepage that's able to play videos. They have the Apple Music site that's able to play music and videos. But they're all having to recreate the wheel at each of those sites. And so from what we've seen is that it's a perfect use case and that they're able to build one library that is able to be shared across all their websites, all their different properties that they want to be able to play video and play music with. And Stencil was a perfect use case for that, especially because it's able to lazy load itself. Mm. Um, so instead of having to take the penalty of everyone having to download all of this video player code, they only you know are able to, they only have to download it at on demand. And they can set all when stuff gets lazy loaded and when to use it. But that's a huge advantage is that it's not a part of the critical path unless you want it to be. I also want to point out that I think it's a unfair comparison between the, a framework. Like, uh, like you have to choose between using a framework or web components. Mm-hmm. Because um, web components, they are really a set of new technology that solve really important problems. And so one of them is encapsulation. Like it actually provides, um, you know, a really good encapsulation using Sourdom. And that solves the problem of having a component inside any page and it actually runs. Like nothing outside breaks a component. So one that's one of the things. And the second thing is what I said previously about being able to create your own component, but using the document create element API. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's really the only two things that the web, the web components technology solve, right? But nothing else. So that's why right. it's it's not really that you use web components, but web components is actually a technology that frameworks can use. And but do they? Uh, they they don't. But for example, I think Vue has an output where you can create Vue component, but it actually uh, outputs a web component. And it's just that it's just a web component, but inside it uses the Vue render. So you can use Vue, but actually when it's going to be used outside, you can just uh, use the create element API. For example. Yeah, because that seems to make more sense to me. And I I think that's the part that I've always had an issue with, or I just haven't understood is I'm like, well, okay, I could sit down and I could use native web components for this, but then I don't get any of the reactivity that I like. Then I don't get any of the life cycle stuff. And then I'm just like, okay, well, I guess I won't use web components, but it sounds like if I had used something like Stencil, I mean, I would kind of get this stuff for free if I ended up deciding to want to use it. I'd say that's definitely kind of where we landed as we were like, you know, like, yeah, let's, let's use custom elements and shadow down for Ionic. We quickly ran into is like, okay, we've got over a hundred different components for yeah. both iOS material design. You know, we've got a distributed team. This is actually a lot of work, you know, and that's where Stencil just kind of naturally grew out of that. Of just like, well, let's have it do this. Let's have it be reactive. Let's, or that one feature in Angular is really, really nice. We should do that, you know? And so that's kind of where it came from. Yeah. It so, sounds like what I, if I was 
considering starting a new project, like Manu said before, that I might consider doing it in Stencil, even if I ultimately was going to use Vue or React or, or one particular framework with it, just because the, the overhead of doing it that way is not so much more than just doing it the way I'm used to doing it. Does that sound correct? Well, I guess basically what I meant is if, if I'm starting a new project and normally I would do this project in Vue in terms of designing my components, and you know, maybe I'm using Figma and maybe I've got Storybook and you know, whatever, whatever my design chain is. But I decide instead of just doing it directly in Vue, I'm going to use Stencil. It sounds like it may not be adding a whole lot of time to the development process, but it is giving me a lot of flexibility with these components down the road. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Especially because, I, you know, some other team wants to use your stuff and use in React. But something that we really haven't hit on yet is also the at the core of all of this would be the compiler and the fact that we kind of see the source file, you know, the, the file that you're writing about the component is again, it's just the ES6 class with a render function. That's We try to keep that as simple as possible. We purposely do not have a bunch of APIs. There's very little that you can import from Stencil Core. And that's all on purpose because we don't really want to have an API. And so if we keep those components simple, if we keep them not having all of this, this crazy custom way to do things in different versions, that means we can continually have the compiler continually growing with you know development adding new features or adding new internal features, being able to speed things up, be able to take advantage of browser APIs. Even in the time that Stencil has been around, we've been able to remove a lot of runtime code in favor of in favor of what the browser provides. The biggest one would be uh, async await and dynamic imports. Hmm. Now, none of that was remotely possible, but now it's entirely possible. And then the, the next thing is, you know, having differential bundling. So we have, you know, an IE11 with ES5 and system modules that's automatically getting generated for IE11 code. But then all the stuff that IE11 requires is not even remotely in the actual build that would be in for everyone else, for the other 99% of your users. So we're able to go straight to using ES 2017. We're going straight to using dynamic imports, which is awesome because we're not having to rely on Webpack to do any of the dynamic loading. We let the browser decide how to do the request, how to like use HTTP2 together at the same time of multiple requests. So again, we're putting all the work onto the browser and not your runtime code. Yeah, and, and working the compiler, I think uh, some of the things that, like most of the, the work we do in Stencil is writing uh, transforms and um, ways to improve the generated code. So things like we can do is that we, we perform the static analysis of how the components depend on each other so we can optimize them, how we bundle them. We can uh, auto-generate uh, module preload rules in the index HTML so we can uh, make the critical path to, uh, to download the critical path. And it, that's uh, the, the, the set of features that the compiler can do because we have a full knowledge of yeah and the the always a silly example is like a hello world app right like you know it's an app that actually doesn't do anything but everyone wants to see how big the hello world app is mm. what i love about ours is that because we analyze everything about that hello world component we know what you are and are not using which is basically you're using nothing other than you're returning the string hello world the compiler is able to just naturally view all that see you're doing nothing and the final output of it what was the most recent number manu final output of the hello world app was it i think it was 100 133 bytes uncompressed. <laughs> yeah, uncompressed. And then I um, think with broadly, it's, actually, bytes. It's, it's, uh, it's like an, a kind of a stupid example, right? But uh, you know this to do MVP. I think MVC or MVP. MVC. Yep. MVC. Yeah. It, which is this uh, to do list 
like everyone tries to implement in every possible sure. framework. So I think it's just 2.4 kilobytes, which is smaller than most Hello Worlds in any other <laughs> framework. Well, you're well, gentle you're about Hello Worlds. These are I, these are the apps <laughs> I write most often, and uh, I'm very proud of them. So I, we can be sensitive to that. I would appreciate. <laughs> well, in the 102 byte Hello World that you're talking about, if you compress that with Brotly, it's probably like negative five bytes or something. Right? <laughs> I, think it was, I think it was 84 is what we saw. 84 bytes for a Hello World app. I'm going to go with negative negative five. I like which negative. is kind of funny. Like we really can't take credit for that, right? That's that's entirely because the browser is doing everything. So it's just, but it speaks to what the compiler is able to understand about the components you're writing. Okay, but speaking of understand, I still don't understand. I still don't understand, like, how does Stencil work? If the, if does it actually generate like a, a, a .view file? Is that if I'm building this thing and it will build components that work in all of these frameworks, is it generating code or what does it do? Yeah, so in the end, it's still just generating web components or custom elements. And it knows how to wire up the styles. It knows how to wire up Shadow DOM if you're using it. We do use JSX because that's the one standard that doesn't exist is uh, templating. So there is no templating standard. If there is one, it would have to be JSX because that's probably the most widely used. And that's kind of how what we gravitated towards. The day that there's a standard templating syntax, that's the one we'll use. I'll just say that. And then we can even cut out more runtime code. But it doesn't exist. So we use JSX. And yeah, like what it actually generates is dependency-free component. And when I say dependency-free, is that like it's not reliant on Stencil at all. For example, like Ionic or even Ionicons, you know, they see millions of downloads per month. But like Ionicons has zero dependencies. Any of the users of all those millions of users using those components, they're just using a web component. They're not using Using mm-hmm. a stencil component, they're not. They're also not, you know, adding to our uh, stencil core NPM numbers because no one's getting it because it was only the core developers of those components that actually have it as a dev dependency, not a dependency. And that's so how it. does it work with Vue then? Like, yeah, what is I, the work with Vue part? I'm not. Sure. I'm not getting it. So, so uh, there is like the by default, the stencil just builds uh, web components, but the whole compiler architecture is about something that we call output targets. So, uh, for the same build, you can have different output targets. It can be building a docs, which will generate a readme for components. So will you you could have the docs in in, in GitHub. You could uh, generate a website, and and some of those bindings actually uh, can be external to other repos. They are bindings, so it will generate bindings for React or binding mm-hmm. for Angular or bindings for Vue. But these bindings, actually, they are not required, right? Uh, like if you try to use a web component in Vue, it will work. The difference is that these bindings usually improve a lot of the developer experience, right? When the, they like React or Angular developer use the component. So that's that's just another output target when you use a stencil. At the core, it's still wired up to the custom element, but because we know which properties exist and what their types are and everything, everything, then that framework's way of, of wiring up properties, we, we use their way. Um, oh, really? So if I'm used to, if I'm doing something in Vue and I'm used to the fact that things can change based on a property changing just reactively without doing anything, that just works? Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And so like Angular uses, you know, the banana box, you know, syntax where they have those brackets hmm. or on different properties. Yeah. Or, or, or more complex thing, like you are used to use the Vue DevTools or the, you know, React yeah. DevTools and you expect... Sure. This uh, you know view components to be there. 
that's the same. Or, you know, you, you expect the IDE to find the docs for the properties, something like that. Uh, that will still work. Yeah. So, so web components, specifically Vue and Angular, they're going to, they're going to just work naturally. But yeah, that, that's where our output targets make it, take it one step further and really try to improve the experience. And when it really comes down to it, all of our Ionic Angular users, they don't need to know that they're web components because it actually doesn't matter. Okay. Right? I think I got it now. I think, I think I'm finally getting it. What Stencil really is, is the glue code between your components and these various frameworks. Yes. And, and I will say like the one that's a little bit different would have to be React. Okay. Um, I think there's a there's a common misconception out there that you know web components don't work in React. I think that's kind of a, a different way of saying that you know React made the decision to not make web components work in React. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it's more, I mean, for example, Preact works just great. You know, all the different, many different frameworks that are JSX based and use a VDOM work great with web components. But, you know, but I, like, want, I want to point yeah. out that under the hood, at some point in the React code base, there is a document create element. And okay. so exactly. that's my point about, well, even if React doesn't want to support web components, they do because they just use the DOM API. So yeah. we just have to solve a special case that probably you, you can explain better. But uh, and you have solved. Solved it though. Yeah. The, impor yeah. the important part is everyone out there, you have solved it. So <laughs> if you do stuff with stencil, React will work. Yeah, I just I just wanted to clarify that you know people say that React doesn't work with web components. It's actually well, React's version of JSX purposely does not pass down objects <laughs> as properties. But that doesn't mean that you can't make them work just fine. And that's what our uh, what our bindings do is that like well actually we still have access to that element. That element was still created with doc and create element. Everything that we need for it to work is going to be just fine. So we do that extra like layer of making sure everything works exactly how you wanted it to work and avoid you know the common scenario of saying like React doesn't work with web components because that's simply not true. So how far do you go with this? Like can I use things like computed properties that I'm used to using in Vue? Like can I use those? Yeah, like if you, you can think about any element that you'd set something to, like if it's a div, mm -hmm. it's no different than if it's a custom element, right? Mm. So like, however you would have done it in Vue is exactly how it's going to work in with uh, with the custom element. So like you think of the input tag, it's got type and value and all those different things. How you would do that in Vue is how you're going to do that to a custom element where it's it's got its own properties and uh, attributes. Yeah. And if you use TypeScript in React, you will get types and everything as well. Like exactly the same. Oh, wow. I mean, that's, that's really neat. And what about things like, you know, if I'm getting on board with using hooks in React? Is that something that, how would that work in Stencil's universe or would it? <laughs> well, actually, I mean, that's also the beauty of it is like, it really doesn't matter. I mean, this, this also this also like kind of speaks to why um, our fears of, you know, Angular constantly changing and, and moving and how things are going to work with ng zone, ng modules, you know, things were always, you know, in flux of how it's going to work, which required us to rewrite everything. So we, we purposely wanted to make sure that we were not involved with that. So as Hooks has come out, as Vue 3 is coming out, as all these, you know, Angular Ivy's coming out now, as all these things happen, I just kind of like, you know, enjoy the show. You know, it has nothing to do with how our components work. I don't have to tell everyone on our team that we now need to refactor our 100 components again because React changed something. Oh, that's no, when like, you know you did a good job because back when you had the, you know, you had the Ionic 1 to Ionic 2, you wanted to jump off a bridge. And now when new releases are coming out, you're just like, oh, that's cool. We work, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a lot of fun. And I think Angular 9, Angular 8 and Angular 9 was was definitely like good validation for us. And we're actually going to be releasing Ionic version 5 soon, which is largely just a design update. You know, so we want to make it look like modern iOS and Android. So there's a couple of design updates, which is why we're giving it a version number change. But if you're an I Ionic user in the past, going between version one, two, three, and four were all pretty significant changes 
going between four and five is actually just a design. Like you're going to notice your app looks a little bit different. So you're not having to really rewrite anything at all. And that's again, like I think speaks to us keeping the API pretty simple and purposely not trying to use framework versions or, or framework APIs. Now, let's say that I've listened to all this and I said, all right, it sounds like a great idea. I'm going to start using Stencil for all this stuff. And, you know, I'm using web pages with Vue or React or whatever. And I'm designing my components and doing all this stuff. And then at some point, I'm like, you know what? I want to make an iOS app. Could I? Will the fact that I've used Stencil help me? And then, then I can leverage the, the Ionic framework or, or how, would, how does that work? Yeah, that's actually, and that would be up to the, you know, the use case of what you choose. We actually have quite a few Ionic users that use Stencil only to build their Ionic apps. And then there's quite a few that larger are Angular using Ionic, but that I guess that's that would be the question for the team of like, what do you prefer? Like which which framework, if you wanted to use a framework or no framework or just custom elements or just HTML, that's entirely your your decision, but Stencil will be able to work for, for any of those. And, and that also speaks back to what Manu was talking about, where it's, you know, it, it is kind of fun to hear about schools and younger developers that are able to just write HTML and quickly have an app in hand of how it's going to work. And so like that, all, that is all because because of, you know, Stencil is able to generate pure web components that don't require a framework. And so the first lesson number one is this is an ion button, you know, and they hit refresh and they see the button that's blue and it's got the text that they wrote right inside there. They didn't have to learn anything about JavaScript yet. Hmm. So Manu, if I learn this stuff, if I start using Stencil, it's going to give me a leg up on making an iOS app? What do you mean with, when you say iOS app, it's a native iOS app or? Um... Well, I, I would assume that I can use the Ionic framework and, and something else to help me builds a native iOS app. Is that incorrect? Yeah. Yes. And I, I think one of the, you know, cool approach, uh, cool approaches of using Ionic is that you are not using Ionic framework. You are using the web, right? The web technology. Right. And right. Uh, the Ionic framework and Stencil helps you to build an application uh, faster. For example, when you, so one core difference between Ionic approach and the uh, React Native approach is that if you want to use Firebase, for example, you have to find the React Native way of using Firebase or the React Native way of doing anything, right. but there is not this. That's not the case for Ionic, right? It's, um, it's the web way, and then Ionic is just another thing that solves the UI side. So you will get all the nice animations and all the nice gestures for iOS and, and material design out of the box. And cool thing is that you don't. You can use Vue, you can use React, or you can just have an empty index HTML. But part of this framework idea that we talk about in in, in Ionic is not that it's a framework in the sense that you have to do it in the Ionic way, but more about the tooling around Ionic. The tools that we have to generate the native application, right? Is the mm. tooling we have around Angular, the tooling around uh, React. Is that is all that tooling why we call it framework? I've realized that I was thinking about Stencil entirely backwards. So I was viewing Stencil as a way to make native web components. And it's kind of the opposite is my understanding now because it's more like what enables Stencil to work at all is the fact that native web components are here. Mm. Exactly, yeah. And it's in all the it's all the browsers right now, I think, right? Right. Yeah. Okay. So I was thinking about it totally backwards. I'm like, oh, stencil is for making native web components, but why am I gonna want to do that? It's the opposite. It's the fact that native web components are here allows the stencil tool to operate, which can then build stuff that can interop with any of these frameworks. So that's mm -hmm. really neat. Exactly. That's yeah. like a, a light bulb has gone off. Okay. Yeah, and, and again, you know, back to the compiler, what, what I'm excited about is is because we keep you know the simple API design, we're able to 
to improve the same components by just improving the compiler. We don't mm-hmm. have to keep asking the components to be rewritten every time. It's just, you know, there's this new thing coming out. Let's improve the compiler and everyone just magically gets these improvements. And what about the design tool chain? Like does Stencil integrate with any of these tools or is it reasonable for it to integrate with, you know, Storybook, Figma, any Framer, any of these things? Yeah, I was going to say like um, we definitely know of quite a few members in community are using it with Storybook. And uh, I'm trying to think what else. A lot of it's its own self-documenting. Again, you know, because we do static analysis, we're able to understand everything. And we're able to build our own docs. Actually, the whole ionicframework.com slash docs is all built off of a stencil static analysis. So to some Sorry. extent, like a tool like Storybook is maybe less useful because you can just build this stuff out? I think it's I think it's pretty useful. It's something that we would also like to do ourselves to improve upon, you know, and every time you hit save, it's going to magically update. But yeah, like, it does play well with other tooling too, that we wanted to make sure that we, we we don't want to, or we do want to you know, make sure that I, uh, Stencil fits the case because Storybook is a great case of being able to build a design system and share it and show how to use it. So so that's that's an area that's a great partner to, and to I, work with. I, I think also like within our own company, it, uh, it splits really well the responsibility. So for example, the team that builds Ionic Core, the set of components can really focus in building these components a single time, right? And and really well. And in the Stencil team, which is uh, Adam and me, we can, we can focus in, you know, for example, writing a new output target for Figma, if it's required, or writing a output target for a storybook, the same way that we have uh, output targets for bindings. Um, Neat. So that's what actually what we did with the docs, right? Like, and with other things like stats, the, you know, one team can focus in building components and we can solve all the other problems. We can, let's say that IV introduces something that we have to change. There is just me that I can make a, a, we, a win, one chain in the stencil and automatically I fix all the components for all the teams. I'll tell you, I've been around a long time and I'm pretty jaded, but something that still gets me really jazzed is when I hear about really nice architecture. And I love, I love everything that I'm hearing about the way that you've architected this so that... We have learning a lot uh, during this time. Like it was not perfect from the very (laughs) beginning, but we we are getting there. (laughs) Definitely a lot of lessons learned. And yeah, that's... Manu said it great where... It's nice that the core team working on Ionic components can worry about CSS and components and how the divs work and how what the click does. They're not worrying about Vue 3 and Angular IV and, and things like that. And that, that does help speed up our development. So is, is there a, this sounds like a slam dunk if you're considering building a new project that's going to use web components to start with Stencil. Is there a case where it is absolutely going to be the wrong fit or the wrong starting point for a project where you're building with web components? Let's see, if you're building like something very, very small, you're a single person and I guess it's, yeah, I would say for, for smaller cases, it might be overkill. Like if you just have a simple component that just has one button, there could be a use, you know, a case to, to just write a vanilla web component. And I actually think there's there's lots of scenarios, maybe more scenarios where a vanilla web component might be a better option. All right. Well, gets- you, you heard it here first. Adam said that single people should not use Ionic. <laughs> <laughs> married, married people is totally fine. But if you're single, exactly what stay I away from stencil. But then at the same time, I'm, I'm going to switch and play both sides of devil's advocate. It would still be a good habit to get into if you always want to build from it at the same like just for from the perspective of being comfortable with a and like an always solid way to start right yeah yeah especially because you're gonna have you i think a lot of the development time goes into figuring out how bundling works how unit tests work how to get it wired up to typescript so there's so much
much of the tooling that's such a pain. Huge configs to figure out reading other people's docs that we try to avoid entirely. Yeah. What if you're a single prey animal, but you're ambitious, right? And you want to get skills built up to the point where if some company comes along and they're like, well, we've got this whole design system process and you can be like, whoa, hey, you know, I've got this stencil thing that I'm really good at and I've just been doing it on my own because it helps my process personally. But I'm also upscaling in case I would ever get into that situation. I mean, it sounds like a, a no brainer to some extent. Well, yeah, I appreciate the choir. I have to say that if you ask me personally, I uh-huh. will always use a stencil. But, you okay. know, I'm, I'm biased. Um, of course. Related with... Um, no, no, but but I know some developers that have worked on a whole bunch of different things that they will not use their, the, the thing that they're working on, right? Right. Well, because they know it. So there, there is some... Obviously, there is a little bit of nepotism involved that you're going to use the thing that you made, but you are kind of making a statement like, you know, this thing is actually pretty good. I think one thing that Stencil is always going to be worse than frameworks is that we can't or we will not innovate too much in the sense of API. So for example, if you want to build uh, forms, uh, very complex forms, uh, then Angular has a lot of tooling and a lot of APIs to make that simpler, right? Mm -hmm. It has ways for validation, you know, a lot of custom things. And sometimes that simplifies the work a lot, right? Because you can just use this big thing and it simplifies how you build the the forms. But that's not something that is going to happen in in Stencil. Like Stencil Core, like the design philosophy of Stencil Core is to try to be really small and match like the API will it has to match one-to-one with web APIs. So mm. sometimes a framework, they have the flexibility to have like higher level APIs, for example, that the Stencil Core will not have. So I think that sometimes can make uh, certain things more complicated. Yeah. And the thing that I'm not I'm still fuzzy on, and I'm going to, you know, there's probably nothing either one of you can can do about it, unfortunately, (laughs) is that I know what it's like to sit down and to start building an app in Vue. And I know what it's like to sit down and start building an app in React. I don't know what that experience is like to sit down and start building stuff using Stencil. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't have that frame of reference or where do I start or or that kind of thing. You know? And that's fair. And that's that's something that, that we really put a lot of time into is is to try to make it simple. You know, for example, if, if just right now you type an NPM init stencil, that entire process, you should be having an, an Ionic app loaded in the next 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's something that, that we're really, you know, pride ourselves on. And like your, your node modules is only going to be, you know, a couple megabytes versus, you know, 400 or something like that, because you actually doesn't need a lot of those tools. You oh, really yeah. just need TypeScript as the one. That's, cool. that's, that's actually really interesting because, uh, I don't know if you ever try to check node modules ever. Oh, yeah. It's, oh, yeah. I mean, you don't even know where that all of that is coming from, right? Mano, you are a brother from another mother because I've said the exact same thing. I'm like, you open up the, the node modules folder and you're like, I don't know what all this crap is. You know? Well, just, just create an stencil app and you will see there is just two folders. Right. It's crazy. Mm. <laughs> I mean, That's what actually made it weird for me to work with is it was, it was, I didn't know JSX very well. I'm like I said, I'm, I, at least at the time was getting comfortable with JavaScript components and I had something working a little bit too quickly and I was suspicious that I missed the point mm. or so good job. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I'm a 
Manu would tell you, I, I'm just allergic to dependencies. I really do not like um, a dependency of a dependency. I've gone through way too many horror stories of, you know, three levels down of dependencies breaks, which breaks this thing, which breaks this thing. And you spend the rest of the week trying to get to work again. So just the less you have, the better. And especially when a lot of them are just utility functions that we can just write ourselves and unit test ourselves. We're able to really drastically simplify Stencil by just writing only what we need and not depending on things that depend on 10 other things. I think I think it's also related with our philosophy of uh, being future-proof. I think having a lot, of, a lot of dependencies and being future-proof, they are the opposite. Uh, you know, sure. the, it's always this problem where, you know, you your app works and then you don't update it for one month. You try to run it again and not, nothing works because during that time, something changed, some dependency changed and nothing works again. So we try, yeah. you know, we try really hard to not have any dependency. The bigger the surface of your app, the more places that it can be hit with a hammer. Right? Yep. Yep. <laughs> Patrick, what do you think? What do you think? Your next app, instead of building it directly in in React or, you know, well, hold on. Can we even, can we use something like Stencil with Gatsby or is that just something that would not happen? That that is a great question, actually. Mm. Um, Yes. So um, that's that's another thing that that often comes up when you talk about custom elements, web components, is that they can't be pre-rendered. Well, with Stencil, that's not necessarily true. No, it goes back to, we we do have a compiler. We do, we are able to set up and analyze all of your code. We do bundle our own stuff. So because of that, we can bundle our own node-ready application that can pre-render every single one of your components. And so Angular Universal is the first is the first example of that, where Angular Universal has its own way to you know hydrate the Angular components to be you know just static HTML and CSS. We're able to take that information and also hydrate all of Ionic's components too. Mm-hmm. Um, which are just web components. And so I think that's a huge advantage that we, we personally probably don't talk about enough is that it's able to pre-render and it's also framework agnostic to pre-rendering. Well, hold and on. So, I'm kind of slow. Yeah, so my just hurts, tell so. me, can I, can I use this with Gatsby? <laughs> I, I, I'm being hesitant on that because I just haven't finished it yet. Yeah. But I, as in the plugin, it should work just fine. I mean, so like, and I say that it's because the pre-render or the hydrate script is just a function that says, you know, input HTML HTML, output HTML. And so if that input was from Gatsby hmm. that had ion button in it or ion um, badge or anything like that, it's able to hydrate that just fine. But I say like it's not ready in Gatsby yet just because I haven't finished the plugin. But the actual core code hmm. is exactly what Angular Universal uses already. Right. Um, the other one that I've been looking into is Next.js to make sure that that's going to work. And so and actually this week we've been playing a lot with, with Gatsby and Next.js for that exact reason. And let me put two more on your schedule there. <laughs> Not that you need more work, but also check out Nuxt for Vue and also check out Gridsome for Vue. Gridsome, I haven't heard of that one. That's new. Gridsome is analogous to Gatsby in that it's a higher level, you know, kind of app builder static renderer thing and it's for view. But basically what you're telling me is that the architecture totally supports this, but you can't say... 100% 100% that it works because you're still writing the plugin that is going to implement it, but you see no reason why the earth is not round. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, that's, um, it's very similar to what we're doing on the client side in the browser is that the component itself doesn't matter who actually starts it, right. creates it, and whether it was Vue or Angular, same thing with the pre-rendering thing. If it was Angular is universal or Next.js, however that HTML got started, Stencil is able to take over from there. Hmm. And do you want to announce anything, Adam? Like a release date on this thing? Put some pressure on yourself. (laughs) I have learned. I have definitely learned to never do that. Uh (laughs) The podcast doesn't come out for a month. Okay. You want to tell everyone? You want to tell everyone that it's done? No. 
<laughs> I will say the hard part's done. I mean, like the it's the it's the plugins for different different things that is it's just hard to uh, complete. We do actually on that note, we do have an awesome community. So we have a lot of people inside of the the Stencil Slack. So if you go to stenciljs.com, you know, sign up for Stencil Slack. Feel free to, to ping us about this stuff because there actually is a, quite a few people that are working on this to help me out getting the different plugins working. So if you're interested in it, yeah, ping us there. Really cool. Hey, Patrick, you got anything you want to uh, jump in there? I I understand what's going on yeah i did way too. better than i did going oh my gosh yeah no I, I was really i was like oh this is one of andrew's like you know pie in the sky pro this is pretty cool though yeah the idea of making components that that are really interchangeable between frameworks just resonates with me so uh no this is cool yeah cool, it, thanks adam and manu he's making fun of me because you know i'll have people on to talk about like WebAssembly or other things and he's just like no and he'll be like no one cares about it but you i'm like no man uh, it's, yeah it's no a, but i, I feel like thing. the developers we we you know that are listening to the show that they, they don't want to be just totally tied to a framework and want their skills to be portable and yeah this makes a lot of sense yeah and that's the challenge with the stencil is just like don't use a framework use stencil it's like well you just said not to so it's it gets right. very confusing right like so it, i mean we're aware of that so we definitely want to make sure that you know it's seen as a tool you know seen as something like webpack or roll up versus something like react or angular i, I right. think and also like two like some weeks ago adam and i realized that we don't longer care about which is the most popular framework yeah. right the developers are always thinking oh i want my framework to be the most popular one you know because at the end of the day it's like investment right you know if you spend all this time building the components and the framework no one is using your framework anymore you are fucked pretty much right <laughs> but, uh, with you know yeah. we, we just realized that we are not in that game anymore and uh, right. it's really cool <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean and that totally makes sense you know in terms of i think the reason why some developers want their framework to be you know the most popular or whatever is just they don't feel like relearning stuff you know they're like <laughs> i've already invested all this time in this i don't want to learn anything more you know and i i get that you know i understand that but i think tools that allow us to keep things as portable as possible i think are, are really useful yep. you know yeah, yeah i just realized i can i can i just finished rebuilding my website in a way that was deeply uncomfortable and I, this is a new opportunity to do it again with the promise <laughs> there you go. of of doing it fewer times because I've done it in a better way. <laughs> and actually, if you look at uh, stenciljs.com, uh, if you view the source of that, that's all a pre-rendered site. And so, Good. you know, th the entire site is able to pre-render in, in 1.2 seconds. So I'm pretty proud of that too. That's so cool. like the performance yeah, is so good. Eating your own dog food is fantastic. And Matt is talking about he just transitioned his entire website to be rendered on the front end in, in Twig and Craft CMS to having Craft CMS as a headless CMS and using GraphQL and Gatsby to drive the back end is, you know, what he's got doing. So now <laughs> he's got a reprieve, though. I mean, Matt, you can wait until Adam has finished the plugin. <laughs> no, what Before I'm hearing is I need to get started now. And by and then I'll, I'll be able to use version two of his plugin. Uh, help me build. It. <laughs> oh no oh yeah but i don't know if you want my help building it that sounds fun yeah i was gonna say i don't know if you want that <laughs> yeah you'd be you'd be just you'd regret that offer <laughs> all right well this has been really cool but i think that about wraps it up for another episode of the devmode.fm podcast if you'd like to have every episode delivered to your favorite podcast player you can subscribe via rss or find us on itunes or google play and if you like what we're doing please review our show on itunes it's the best way to help others find the show you can follow us on twitter at devmode.fm and we'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode leave us a comment on the devmode.fm website where we can continue the conversation for the devmode.fm podcast i'm andrew welch i'm patrick harrington and i'm matt stein and i want to thank adam and manu for coming on 
Yeah, thanks for having us. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you. Fantastic. hungry now i want some tapas i want some beer <laughs> and I want, to, I want to head over to manu's place over in spain I, yeah. I, you know what i would like a siesta too i would mm. like all of these things i want to i want to do the the beer and the tapas and then i want a siesta that's right